Welcome to Vitalnomics, the Church Vitality Podcast, a digital arm of the Church Vitality Network. I'm your host, Gary Moritz, and joining me will be today's voices in church revitalization and renewal. This is a place to find spiritual health, active leadership, and finding legacy over longevity. No matter where you are on the revitalization journey, God is writing your story through His church. He's called you to do it. So whatever you do, don't quit. Reach out and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you find this episode helpful, share it. If you have some helpful insights on revitalization, let's share them on the show. Now, let's get into today's topic. It's great to have you, Don, with us. And I want to tell our listeners a little bit about you, if you don't mind. So Don is a strategic leader, thinker, author, speaker. He's a seasoned leader with more than 30 years of experience in the area of church growth and development. He has served on the executive leadership for both nonprofit ministries and local churches. And this is cool. Don currently serves as the president of the Provisum Group, which provides accounting, finances, communications, informational systems. Systems and marketing services to churches and faith-based nonprofits across the United States. And I love this because Don's passion is to help ministry leaders implement their vision and impact their communities around the world. So Don, let's let's hear a little bit about what God's doing in your neck of the woods. Thanks, Gary. Um, thanks for those kind words. You know, at the Provisum Group, like you said, we, we, we manage churches and faith-based charities. And it's funny, I, I started my career, believe it or not, in uh, mergers, acquisitions, and turnarounds. Wow. It can be done ethically and morally, but it's brutal. And it's pretty cold-blooded, and I, you know, and, <laughs> and I was pretty good at it. And uh, the Lord got a hold of me one day yeah, and said, I want you to go down the street here. There's this giant church. I want you to work for them. Mm. I said, yeah, right. And uh, (laughs) so I I ran from it for a while and he shut every door. I ended up running a big televangelist, believe it or not, right? I went from mergers, acquisitions and turnarounds to televangelist. Quickly, I started seeing this, this church was just this great, big, successful church was managed not so well. I ended up um, then working in a couple of denominations, and I worked in a couple more churches. And one thing I saw over and over again was that, one, the church wasn't being managed very well. I'm, and I want to be clear, I'm not talking about the mission. I'm not talking about ministry. Right, right. I'm not talking about children's and preaching and worship. I'm talking about accounting, communications, yeah. uh, information systems, treasuries. And it just wasn't being managed well. And mm. uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to try and do something about that. And God was faithful. A, he shut every door in my life and he opened one window. And so now we do this virtually and we do it for um, clients all over the country. And we actually end up, in most cases, saving our churches money, not because we're so great. But in most cases, um, many of our our clients, before they came to us, were doing the jobs so inefficiently, we were able to do the job with efficiency and excellence. And I'll tell you what, the the calling that God has put on my life is to take stones out of pastor's shoes. That's awesome. I had a pastor one time uh, tell me, he says, Don, when you have a stone in your shoe, nobody knows better than you that you have a stone in your shoe. Mm. And he said, so... Who is of greater value to you? The person who tells you you have a stone in your shoe or the person who takes the stone out of your shoe. That's good. 
And I found that pastors and ministry leaders, they weren't called by God to manage debits and credits and impressions mm. and, and so forth. And that type of work just drains them. I want to dive into some questions here so people can learn more about you and what God's put on your heart and then how you just really continue to build the local church. Sure. Great. One one question I have for you is, what is the most common mistakes you see churches make today? There's a couple of them. Um, I don't know if one is, is you know, number one and number two, but there I would say that, that one is there's just an absence of accountability within the kingdom of God especially yeah. on church staffs. Yes. You know, I often say that, uh, for example, when it comes to church communications, to be a church communication professional, you don't have to know a lot about communications. You just need to know more than everybody else in the room. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's true, man. And, and the other thing is, is that many of these important functions are delegated as secondary jobs. Mm. Right. You have a, a, a worship leader who has a blog, so they make the worship leader the webmaster. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, no, yeah. And, or the youth leader because he's good with or she's good with computers. That's right. Uh, they make him the head of communications or the, the church secretary is detail oriented. So they make her the bookkeeper. Yeah. Wow. And it's just a recipe for disaster. And it has, I, I believe that doing this has eaten away at the mission of the church. Mm. And I think the other thing is, is that if you think about how God, the people God calls to lead his church, you know, they're creative, relational, passionate lovers of people. Yeah. And, and, and as it should be. But that behavioral profile is really more like an artist than an accountant. Yeah. And so these people, they, they tend to hire creative, relational, passionate lovers of people. And somewhere along the line over the last 30 or 40 years, we have begun to elevate feelings above effectiveness, That's good. relationship above mission. Mm. And don't get me wrong, their relationship, we're in the relationship business. But here's something to think about, right? Yeah. Nothing moves without friction. In fact, for our, our physics nerds out there, <laughs> friction is a byproduct of movement. It's a result of movement. The only way to eliminate friction is to eliminate movement. Mm. Well, in the church, conflict is a byproduct of growth. Wow. You're always, I mean, you know, you're a pastor, Gary. There's always yeah. somebody that's not going to like what we do. Yeah. And we have elevated the absence of conflict by divining that as success. And I think that is very detrimental to the church. And we serve about 100 churches, and I see it fairly universally across all churches. No, that's that's excellent. So with those, you know, with those mistakes, I, I think those are some good common mistakes that I, I think you know, as a pastor, I mean, I, I'm even guilty of some of that. Uh, so you've kind of called me to the carpet. Hey, you're, you know, you're good with web. Hey, you do website. Uh, luckily, my worship leader volunteered for it. So uh, I didn't have to volunteer him. He actually wanted to do it. So I'm off the hook on that one. <laughs> so, well, you know, the, the thing is, you think about this, right? A non-business person <clears throat> needs to spend money and they have a tendency to look at that, um, that spending as an expense. Right. A business person 
evaluates that expenditure in, as an investment. That's right. And the yep. difference between an expense and an investment, you expect a return. And there's a cost in the church. Mm -hmm. uh, in business, it's called opportunity cost. If yes. you went to B school and somewhere in your sophomore, junior year, you'll start taking finance and in the first couple of chapters, you're going to talk about costs. The big cost that the church has today is opportunity cost. You know, none of us are going to argue that the church is not in America. The church is not as strong as it was 40 years ago. In fact, we are really, we've gone from being a leading force in a predominantly Christian culture to a minority religious sect in a predominantly secular culture. And we are not in that condition that we are today for everything that the church has done over the last 40 years. We are in the condition we are in today. The church is in the condition it's in today, primarily for what it has not done over the last 40 years. And the opportunity cost are the things that won't happen or that you won't receive if you don't do a thing. Mm. And I don't think, and in my experience, that tends to be the voice that I try to bring to the table. Submitting always to spiritual authority. At the end of the day, you know, when you work in a church, the, the boss here, you know, talks to God and God talks back. That's right. What do you say to that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it, in fact, so anyways, yeah, we need to focus on the mission and effectiveness and conflict is a result of growth, not an impediment to it. Wow. I want to move, because you kind of alluded to it, but I want to move to a, another great question I want to ask you is, is what's your greatest concern for the church right now? I mean, you talked about mistakes, but let's talk about the greatest concern that you're seeing as an influential leader for the church right now. Oh, it's for me, and it just, it breaks my heart. You know, in Ephesians, we talk about the uh, fivefold ministry gifts, and I believe that we have lost are evangelists. I always like to tell a little joke, a, a, a pastor, a teacher, an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist walk out of church on Sunday morning and they see the connection center being, you know, not being staffed. The pastor thinks, oh my gosh, Bobby Sue was supposed to be staffing that this morning. I hope she's okay. I better call her after worship. The teacher says, we need to tighten up our policies and procedures to make sure this doesn't happen again. The apostle thinks to him or herself, how do I go about getting more people to volunteer for this communication connection center so this doesn't happen again? The prophet thinks that doggone Bobby Sue, I'm gonna give her a piece of my her mind. She's backslidden and she, you know, she should show up when she has a responsibility. And the evangelist just sits there with his or, his or her head down weeping because the evangelist is the one that's thinking about the single woman who came, was at the end of her rope and said, God, I can't take it anymore. I need something. And I'm going to go to that church across the street. She hears the, the message and she makes a commitment to God and she's going to reach out and connect to this church. And she's going to take a big step of faith and, and connect with this church and walks out to that connection center and it's empty. And she says to herself, really, God, this is what you have for me? Yeah. In fact, if you don't think so, here are four questions that I encourage all of your listeners to ask themselves and their leadership. Of the hundred houses that are geographically closest to your home, every church has them, 100 houses closest to your 
to your church. How many times in 2020 did your church send any type of communication at all? Mail, email, text, call, door hanger, knocked on the door, social media, advertisement, anything to each of those hundred households. And then so secondly, for those hundred households, how many, for those hundred households, how many pieces of contact information does your church possess? A phone number, a cell number, an address, a name, an email, social media, anything at all that records any type of connectivity with those hundred churches. How many for each household? How many times in 2020 did anyone from these hundred homes visit your church in person or virtually in 2020? Now those are good questions, right? But here's the great question. Could you or someone from your church definitively answer all three of those questions? Now I can tell you in my experience, the not just the majority, the vast majority of church workers and leadership would answer that question or at least one or two of those questions. I have no idea. How can that be? Somewhere is an evangelist weeping in your church. Mm, mm, That's my concern for the church. Wow. You talked, you brought up Connect. And so that brought right into my mind your book. It's called Connect. It was, I believe it was Amazon's bestseller, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was for about six weeks. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I want to talk about that a little bit because that's just a great segue into connecting with people. So why did you write the book Connect? Well, as I said, I've had this growing concern that we have lost our first love, right? In Revelations 2, 4, when um, talking to the church of Ephesus, and Jesus was talking, the angel was talking about all this great stuff this church does, but I hold this against you. You have lost your first love. And, and we've lost our passion for the Great Commission, making disciples of all people. But the real why, what happened that made me, it literally made me cry. About two years ago, maybe a little longer, maybe, a woman, I had a, a, an opportunity to be speaking to a, a woman who lived in our neighborhood. And she was maybe 23, 24 years old. She was a single mom. She had three babies by three baby daddies. And she was hurting. And she asked me a question. She says, do you know of any churches that would accept someone like me? And I said to her, why do you think the church wouldn't accept you? And she says, because I can't afford the 10% dues and I haven't been baptized. Wow. Now... Here's the thing that really struck me. She grew up in the same town as me. Wow. She went to high school with my children. And my children were raised in church. All of their friends were raised in church. And what this woman knew about the gospel in the church, she didn't learn from the church. What she learned about the church, she learned from the culture. Mm. And she lives right across the street from my church. Wow. That's why I wrote the book Connect. And the thing is, I wrote the book Connect based on the promise of God in the Great Commission. We all know the Great Commission, right? Go ye therefore make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'll be with you now until the end of the age. And everybody knows that Great Commission, at least the pastors and the leaders do. 
But it's that last part, and it's actually, and lo, I will be with you now until the end of the age. And see, that lo, in the Greek that it was written in, in middle case, in imperative, what it actually, the better way to read it is when you go and make disciples of all people, I'm going with you. I'm going with you today. I'm going with you tomorrow. And I'm going to be there with you till the end of the age. It's actually the, the low I will be with you is actually referring to when you go and make disciples. Yes. He promises, which means he has to keep his promise. That's right. You don't have to do it well. You just have to do something. Wow. And most churches stopped fulfilling the Great Commission in, in the United States decades ago. So Connect is a very practical book. There's 28 things you can do. And if you do every one of these once a month, your church will grow. I'll give you an example of one. One of them is simply ask people for their name, write down their contact information. And so at the end of that chapter, there is an action item that says, ask someone in your church to bring you the list of all the new people who came to church this weekend. Now, if we all ask for that today, if we all ask for that information today, how many of us are confident that somebody could bring us that answer? Mm. So if you asked it, let's just say that's your church and, and you don't know, and you guys don't keep track of that stuff. And you were to say to someone, um, how many people, how many new first time visitors we have in church last week? And if the answer was, I don't know, you simply say, well, that's okay. I'm going to ask you that question in 28 days and I, I need you to be able to answer it. Mm. See, that goes back to accountability. That's right. We actually have a downloaded checklist that a pastor or ministry leader can put in a desk drawer mm. and, and just check it off as you go. And that's all great. you have to do is remember to ask those things. Wow. So that's why I wrote Connect. Oh, that's awesome. So with, with connecting with people, I mean, it's just such a great opportunity. And so my next question, as we get closer to our ending our time together, I, I have two more questions for you, but this is the first question is, what do you see as the greatest opportunity right now for the local church? I see our greatest opportunity is also our greatest threat. Hmm. And, you know, COVID shut, has changed the world. That's right. Yeah. That Christ commanded us to go into and make disciples for the transformation thereof. And we need to start looking at not just being the church in brick and mortar. We need to go where the people are. And, yeah. and brother, right now, the people are in the digital world. That's right. And we've got to learn to do that. We have to quit calling it communications. Right. And start calling it outreach. Yeah. We need to quit hiring worship leaders who can make a website. We need to start hiring communication directors that can play a guitar. We need to be willing to risk the music, maybe not being cutting edge and take that money and invest it in communicating with the, the neighborhood. We need to learn how to connect with those hundred households. And here's the thing. All we have to do, I am challenging every pastor and ministry leader who's listening to this podcast. If you don't know what to do, do anything. That's right. Try yeah. anything. 
I was sitting with the pastor in a rural area, sitting on the porch of his church. And across the street were a bunch of houses. And he was really lamenting, I think I'm going to have to close my doors. And I said, well, tell me about your ministry and outreach. And he kind of went, uh, uh, uh. I said, what about those six houses right across the street? And he, and he kind of went, uh, uh, uh. I said, come on, let's go. Yeah. He goes, go where? I said, we're going to go knock on six doors and say hello. And you know what? Couple, We got a couple doors slammed in our face. One man invited us in, ended up attending that church. And gave his heart to Jesus about six months later. It's so awesome. Our opportunity is to look at the digital world as the newest mission field. Yeah. We should convert mission. If you say you can't afford it, convert mission giving, you know, the money that we invest in some missions to digital outreach. Yes. If you're absolutely. not reaching, if you, I wouldn't, I, I, and if churches had no money, I would tell them don't give away another penny until you figure out how you're going to go across the street and you're going to meet those hundred homes. And if you can't figure that in a year, find someone who can. That's so, that's so good. I, I think a lot of times just churches just lose the opportunity of what's right in front of them. We, we want to go on the other side of the world, but the person in the, next to us in the cubicles, you know, going to hell and we're not doing anything about it. And I just think it's, uh, it's so important, man. It's so good. It really is. It's, it, you know, I have that event. I mean, of the ministry gift for me, I'm the evangelist. And my heart just weeps. And, and I, I literally almost quit and gave up the Provisum group because the pain, it just, it, it just broke my heart. Yeah. And uh, um, God helped me with that. And I'm glad he did. But it's, we have forgotten our first love, man. Yeah. No, and absolutely. That, that is the people who live right across the street from us. Mm, it's so good. So, so as we come to a close, my last question is kind of like, what's the best advice you can give to a pastor right now? Um, I, I know you're giving tons of advice out through Church Growth Magazine. I mean, that's just filled with nuggets and people, pastors got to read that. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. But you personally, what's the best advice you can give to a pastor for right now? Well, two things. One is of elevate communication, marketing, whatever you call it. Start looking at that as outreach and elevate that to a primary function in your church. It's awesome. And, but, and, and if you can only do one, you can only do one thing, find the evangelist in your church. Mm. If God is good, his word is true, and he is who he says he is, then you have someone, if it's not you, you have someone in your church who has the gift of evangelism. And my experience has been that most pastors are not evangelists. Mm. They're more teachers, shepherds, pastors, but the evangelist usually rubs people a little raw. Yeah. Uh, you can, I'm, I imagine for a lot of people right now that are listening to this um, podcast, just had at least one face pop into their mind. <laughs> I would go reach out to that person. Yeah. Use the discernment that God has given you as an, an elder in the faith. And if this is an evangelist, sit and you and you discern this person has the gift of evangelism. Sit down and ask them, what would you do? And sit there and listen as if it was a divine appointment. It may not be, but listen to that evangelist's heart. And they may not even know they are evangelists. They just get worked up when people who come to the church aren't treated well or are or, or ignored or, um, you know, the systems that are designed to connect us with the people around us don't work. That person kind of is like Chicken Little says the sky is falling and this is the worst possible thing that could ever happen in our church. 
That's the one. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. And listen to them. And then collaborate together and do something that's on that evangelist's heart. Do anything. Just do one thing and watch God show up. Wow. That is such great nuggets of information. And Don, I just want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're incredibly busy impacting lives around you. And it's just a great honor to have you on today's podcast. Well, thank you, Gary. And I appreciate being here. And anytime I can do anything to help you or any of your listeners, just give me a call. The answer is yes. Yes.